2 John. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but, you, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. Thank you, Ben. Uh, it is a short letter. It's perhaps one that's unfamiliar. I, I think these are amongst the, the least read parts of the Bible, simply because they're so short. You just kind of, oh, well, it must be unimportant. Uh, it's not unimportant. Uh, we're going to see why this morning, so keep it open. And we're going to work our way through these verses today and learn what this little letter uh, and its very important message has for us. Uh, now, sometimes when I'm fishing uh, in the boat, um, usually I just drift around and, and fish wherever the wind takes me, but sometimes I want to stay in the, in the one spot. Sometimes I think, you know, this is a good spot. There's perhaps more fish here than other spots, uh, so I want to stay there. So to stay there, what do I do? Well, I throw the anchor overboard uh, and put it down, and, and, and hopefully that will keep me in my place. But here's the thing, and uh, I learnt this a couple of trips ago. Here's the thing. How do you know that your anchor is actually holding? Okay, like if you park your car in the driveway and forget to put the handbrake on, you tend to figure that out pretty quickly, uh, particularly if you live in a steep block. But when you're in a boat, how do you know that your anchor is holding you? How do you know that you're staying in the same spot? Th th there's no visual cues, is there? There's nothing to look at and say, oh yeah, I'm clearly moving past that. You're just in the middle of the water. Now, I've, I've had it before. I've got, a, got to a spot, uh, put my anchor down, um, started tying up some rigs, had a little nap, because, uh, you know, fishing's relaxing, uh, looked up and, and thought, where am I? <laughs> this, is, this is not where I'm supposed to be fishing. What am I doing here? 
And in, in the, the hour nap that I'd had, I'd drifted hundreds and hundreds of metres. Uh, thankfully, there was nothing else around for me to bang into. But, but even without noticing at all, I'd just been drifting along, completely oblivious. The anchor that I thought was holding me ha- was not doing anything, and I was just floating along merrily without a clue. Now, there's a danger that we can do the same. There's a danger that the same can happen to us. Uh, It's true that our world drifts. I think we can see that in in the world all around us. We've seen it particularly regarding the two topics that our passage today talks about, the the topics of truth and love. Over the last 40 to 50 years, particularly on on a popular level, we've seen those concepts become radically reimagined, haven't we? The, 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 the definition of them has, has drifted and has changed. And all of a sudden we're looking up and thinking, where are we? <laughs> What's going on? But it's not just our world. We can drift as well. We can think, yeah, I know what truth and love is. I'm holding on to those concepts. I'm not going to move anywhere, so I'll put my attention on to other things. Only to look up after a while and think, Something's different. We're not where we used to be. I'm not where I used to be. We've drifted. Well, our passage today shows us how and where to set our anchor so that that doesn't happen. A good and secure place to set our anchor that will prevent us from drifting, that will help us to stay in a good place regardless of the currents that that sweep through our lives, whether from outside or from inside. This passage shows us an anchorage, not a a place to get stuck and a place to get stale and stagnant, but a place that is good for us, a place where we can be confident and joyful in our God and in the knowledge of His good truth and love. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning as we work our way through this short letter It obviously is a short letter, it's the second shortest in the Bible, we're going to deal with the shortest next week and it kind of feels, it kind of feels like we're reading someone else's mail, doesn't it? You know, it's addressed to this chosen lady and we think, well that's not me, I'm not a lady and I'm probably not a chosen lady, so why should I read this letter? Well the fact is, it's not a person, this is not written to a person, chosen lady is a church. It's not maybe a way we would refer to our churches today, but that's kind of common back then. This is written to a church. Who are the children? The children are its members. Why did John write such a short letter? Uh, Why didn't he just elaborate like perhaps in 1 John? Uh, We don't know exactly for sure, but one theory which I quite like is that this is actually a cover letter for 1 John. You might have noticed as we read 1 John, there's almost no personal details there, there's no greeting, there's no sign-off, it's just kind of really general. And the theory is that that letter was written to a whole group of churches so that they could pass it around and share it and, and benefit from its message, but that John wrote this letter in particular just as kind of a cover letter to a particular church that he loves and knows and wants to encourage. And I, I think that's a good theory, I think that fits quite well. Because as you read it, you notice that the themes are very similar, don't you? There's a lot of overlap, but there's also some nuances in this letter, which are really important. Now, if you listened as Ben was uh, reading before, if you've read this yourself, you'll notice that there's two particular words and themes that come up throughout this letter. 
And they are the words truth and love. If you're going to get anything out of this sermon, notice those words, truth and love. Just listen uh, again with me uh, to the opening of, these, uh, of this passage, verse, verses 1 to 3. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also, who know, also all who know the truth. Because of the truth, which is, lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. Um, here's, a, here's a clue for you if you're ever reading uh, some of the letters in the Bible. The opening verses typically give away the topic of the letter. So that's true for most of the letters in the Bible. It's certainly true here. We're talking about truth and love. John says he loves them in truth. That's not him saying, um, I, I, I love them truly. What he's saying is, I love you as fellow sharers in the truth of Jesus. That's something that bonds us together. He says that truth is something that all God's children share, in fact. It, it's what makes us who we are. It's what marks us out. But he also says this truth is more than just information. It's more than just being right. It's more than just an intellectual concept. Look at what he says about it. He says there in verse 2, it's a truth that lives in us. It's a truth that will be with us, that is remain with us forever. This truth is, is a relational thing. And this truth and love, he says in verse 3, it's ultimately of God. It, it, it's not just something that is, it is something that is of God, it is from God. He is the source of it. Now, as John writes this letter, he's actually very happy, we see that. Uh, we see he's happy because he's met some of these church's members. Uh, he's come across them and he's discovered that they're holding on to this truth and love, that they're, they're living it out. He says that in verse 4. It's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. You know, this is good. Uh, walking is kind of a metaphor for life. He's saying they're living in this truth. They're living it out. They're following it. They're doing it good and that's wonderful. And so he says to the whole church, do that. Do it as well. Look at verse 5 and 6. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. It's a bit of almost circular thinking, but you see the way he sticks this together. Uh, walk in God's command. What is that command? Well, it is love. Love one another. What is love? Well, it's as we saw last week. To love is to be obedient to God's command, to be doing what God said. What, and what's God's command? Love. You, you, you see, it's circular, but it's, he's building this picture together. The, the point is simple. The way of truth, to walk in the truth, is to obey God's command to love. To be walking faithfully as God would like, to be walking in the truth, is to love. Because that is not only what God has shown, that's what God has commanded to us. Now you might say, but we've heard that for the last couple of weeks, there's nothing particularly groundbreaking. Why is that so important? Well, actually, John says this is why it's so important. It's important to define the true way because there is a false way. 
Look at verse 7. I know this comes after a paragraph break in the NIV, but it sticks together with this first section. Verse 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming uh, coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So John has come across those from this church who are obedient and it's made him very glad but he's also come across others who are not who are false Uh, he calls them deceivers uh, the antichrist he's saying not only that they're not misguided they are directly in opposition they are against the way of jesus they are ones who deny the truth that jesus came in the flesh as god's son as divinity in flesh to save Therefore, they don't just deny this truth, uh, they don't belong to that truth. They don't belong to God's people, they've put themselves outside of that. Now, as we saw in 1 John, we're talking about the same group of people here, undoubtedly they claim to it. They claim to be in the truth, they claim to know God, they claim to be loving, and yet what John is saying is, they're false. They might look and say similar things, but they're false, because they've walked from the truth, They're not in any of those things that they say they are. They might look the same, they might claim to be the same, but they are not. Um, I remember once as kids, uh, mum was making us lunch, we were getting sandwiches, that's what we always ate, breakfast and lunch and sometimes dinner sandwiches. Anyway, it was was maybe a special uh, occasion because for some reason we were getting Nutella. Uh, We didn't have Nutella all the time, Nutella was a treat. We were very excited. So we sat down to eat our sandwiches. Mum had been very generous. They were quite lathered with chocolate spread. It looked great. And we took a bite and kind of looked at each other and took another bite and looked at each other again and thought, there's something weird here. This is very strange. We took another bite and we, we said to Mum, Mum, I... I think our Nutella's off. There's something wrong here. What, what's going on? Well, it turns out there was nothing wrong with it. She just tried to pull a Swifty. Uh, she'd bought us home brand Nutella. I know. I know. I know. It's, yep. We had words. Home brand Nutella. If you've ever done a side-by-side, you'll know it looks the same. It doesn't quite come in the same jar, but even the packaging looks similar. It smells the same. It's the same colour as far as I can tell. It claims to be the same, hazelnut spread. It is not the same. There's a note for any of you parents. It is not the same. Not all chocolate spread is equal. And that is exact, not about chocolate spread, that is exactly John's point here. Not all love is love. Not all claims to truth are truth. There is truth and there is love, but there is also false claims to exactly that. Now that is an unpopular message. That is not a right thing to say today. Our world says something very different, doesn't it? Uh, You might remember back to the marriage equality debate, the actual slogan, love is love, was plastered everywhere, wasn't it? It It was all over the place. And on the face of it, you might think, well, yeah, kind of. I can see how you would say that. There's certainly things there that, you know, love is love. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But when you dig into it, no. And that's what John's saying. Not not at all. Not all love is love. Not all claims to truth 
uh, truth. There is love. There, are, there is truth. And to have them, to know them, you must have God. That is the only place. Why? Because He is truth. And because He is love. Therefore, to truly love, to tr truly know the truth, you need Him. You must find them in Him. The false teachers and their claims of love and truth are false because they have taken themselves away from the God of truth. He defines love. He defines truth. And if we want to have either of those things, we need Him. We've seen in 1 John what that love looks like. We've seen it defined for us. That love is proactive that love is selfless that love is sacrificial we simply have to look at jesus and we see how love is defined for us we, we know it there we receive it we see it in him it's a love that gives it's a love that saves it's a love that forgives sinners like you and i that is what love is and it is in that love that we are called to love one another we're not called to, 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 to love just as you see fit. We're not called to love and then somehow go out and define what that sort of love looks like. We are called to love as God loved us, as God defines love, as God shows love. And that is so important for us to remember because it's so easy for us to drift away from that, to drift into more worldly shapes of love. We may never make a conscious decision to do that, but we might hear things around us and say, yes, maybe I should love a bit more like that. You know, we talk about worldly love. Worldly love accepts and affirms people simply as they are, doesn't it? You are who you are. We, we, we won't change that. We simply will respect that. And look, uh, there's good there. Diversity is good. We should respect one another for who we are. We should accept people for who we are. But godly love doesn't leave people where they are, does it? Godly love transforms people. Godly love changes people. It makes us new. Godly love says, we're all messed up. All of us. So let's change together. Let's help each other in that together. Worldly love papers over sin. It likes to pretend it doesn't exist. It tries to forget it. It doesn't challenge it. You know, it pushes it to the side, sweeps it under the rug. That's, that's the way to love. Godly love is far better, isn't it? Godly love takes sin on. It says, yes, it exists, but we can forgive that. Godly love actually plumbs the depths of sins and yet still forgives its debts. It challenges the hurts of sins. It acknowledges the wounds that it creates. And it seeks healing for all of that, not just forgetting. Godly love is uncomfortable at times. Worldly love seeks harmony above all things, you know, to push aside any sort of conflict. Godly love's willing to be uncomfortable. It's willing to not just be nice, but sometimes be sharp. Sometimes to cause hurt for the sake of good. Love one another, that is the command. But love one another like God. Love one another as God commands, in truth. It's a love that pushes, it's a love that serves, it's a love that sacrifices, 
It's a love that seeks the best for each other. That is God's love for you. That ought to be our love for one another, therefore. No doubt, worldly love is easier. But it can never compare. God's love is richer and it is deeper. It is more satisfying and it's better. And that is the sort of love that you and I are called to. Now that might feel all very black and white, and we're uncomfortable with black and white, let's be honest. We, we, we think, well, is it really such a big deal? Does it, does it really matter so much? Well, John says yes, unfortunately for you. Yes, it does, and, and, and here's why. It matters because there are serious consequences at stake here. Look at verse 8. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. John's saying, this matters. There are things at stake for you here. Now, what he's not saying here is, watch out lest you lose your salvation. That would be completely inconsistent with everything he's ever said. Uh, that's impossible. Jesus has said in John's own gospel, he'll never lose from his grasp one of his people. But what he is saying is, keep working out your salvation. Don't stumble, don't drift, don't be led astray. Keep in it. Run this race till its end without being distracted. And so because of that, resist those who are false. Look at verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. There are those who will pat themselves on the back and say, look how sophisticated and advanced we are. Uh, we have moved on from all that basic stuff. We've moved on from all that elementary stuff. We are far past that. And John says, yes, you are, and you are far away. Because in leaving that truth about Jesus, elementary though it seems, you are leaving God behind. Because as we started the service, the only way to know God is in Jesus. So don't leave him, stay with him. Stick with the truth, stick with Jesus. And don't have anything to do with those who don't. Verse 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. It sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? I mean, person comes teaching a different gospel, don't even offer them a cuppa. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't even have them in your house. Don't show them hospitality. Why? What's, what's John talking about? Well, we need to understand the time. Um, this is not like a time where you would just... Uh, you know, go to, go to town, um, maybe meet up with a friend and then go and stay in a hotel or, or something like that. Hospitality was something that people showed to one another and particularly to teachers, to itinerant teachers who, who travelled around teaching. And what John is saying is, you're not to do that. Because to welcome that person into your home, to, to share your home with them, to give them a place, to give them even a base from which to work is to do something terrible what you're doing in in that is endorsing them you're supporting their work you're, you're even making it go even further john's saying don't do that 
Because in doing that, you're sharing in their evil work. You're, you're supporting it for, for people to see. The cost is too high. Don't do it. Don't endorse them. Now, it, it's, it's a bit like advertising today. Advertising's kind of pivoted lately with the, the rise of social media. And now you have this very abstract go, uh, job description called influencer. Uh, and you have your influencers on, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever. Uh, you know how it works. You have to be kind of famous or at least good looking. Uh, and once you've reached 20,000, 50,000 followers, uh, you then get paid to make posts featuring your favourite product as a way of advertising. You know, you, you, see the, you see the caption, I love my barley body. It keeps my skin tanned and glowing all year round. Like, I, I don't know why I get that one. I know I'm pasty. Don't rub it in. Um, the, maybe the guy's one. Yeah, I see. I love my Remington shaver. I wouldn't go anywhere without it. Like, really? Like, you carry everywhere? Okay. So, but, but you see, companies pay big money for that. Companies pay thousands of dollars for people to make posts like that. Why? Because it works. When, when famous people or beautiful people or successful people hold products up, it endorses it to you and I. And it inclines us to accept them as well. It works. And John is saying, that's why you don't have anything to do with false teachers. Because when you do, there is a chance you will endorse it to someone else. That you will say to someone else, we, just by implication, that you accept their message, that you think they are important. And you might incline someone else to listen to their lies. You might support their work. And John says their work is death. Their work is death. I mean, it sounds harsh, but that's what he's saying, isn't it? They have left God behind. And therefore their teaching leads other people away from God. God is light and God is life. Therefore, they can only lead people towards death. It is not just harmless mistakes we are talking about here. This is not just whoopsies or slight misunderstandings. This is life and death. False teachers give assurance to those who don't deserve it. They, they grow fear where it's not needed. They confuse the weak. They hamstring the strong. They support a message of death. So have nothing to do with them. When it comes to the truth, near enough is not okay. I mean, that's not how truth works, is it? I'm sorry, Your, your, your Honour, I tried really hard, but I still ended up speeding. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fly, does it? You are either in or out. If love is the characteristic of the Christian community, then truth is its boundary marker. You either confess Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and are in, or you don't, and you are on the outside. So be wary, be careful of what you endorse, because the stakes are high. Now, it's why we as, as elders uh, are very careful of what we promote to you. Um, we get dozens and dozens of conferences and books and courses that, you know, cross our desk every week. We don't tell you about most of them, because most of them would not necessarily be healthy. Most of them would promote something which is not good. It's why our music team are so rigorous in hand with the elders about what we sing. Not only to avoid songs that speak of the truth or are hazy about the truth, but, but to avoid the implication that if we sing song X, we approve songwriter X and everything that they produce. 
It's why you need to be careful. Not just being discerning about the books you read or the podcasts you listen to or the sermons you download. Uh, Just because a sermon's on the internet doesn't mean it's good. I hope you understand that. Not just being careful about those things, but being careful in how you speak about them and promote them to others as well. So you might end up endorsing someone, maybe by sharing their quotes on Facebook. Yes, it may be a true quote, but maybe the speaker is not a true speaker. It might look like you're endorsing them. You might endorse someone you don't mean to when you know, you're having a conversation and someone else is speaking about this person that they've been listening to or reading and you're thinking, I know that person's not right. I know that teacher is, is, is false, but you say nothing. You might be giving implicit approval there. The truth matters. It is life and death. So stand in it and stand for it. You know it. You know the truth of Jesus. Of Jesus who came and who died, who rose again, who rules and who forgives, who gives life. So stand in that truth and have nothing to do with the lie. Because this is our anchor. This is what keeps us from drifting. Truth and love. The truth of Jesus, the love we have received in Jesus. See, it's simple. And it's simple so that it's within our grasp. It's within your grasp. It's within my grasp. Stand in the truth. Remain in his love. Not as you or I uh, or the world even defines them but as God does, in him and with him and for him. Continue there and you won't drift from them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious and certain truth of Jesus. Jesus, your son who came to this earth for our forgiveness to be our life and, as we sung earlier, our living hope. Father, we pray that this would be a truth that we prize, that we are fierce for and and stand in. Lord, help us to promote it to each other. Help us to call out these lies that lead to death and instead be people of the truth. Lord, in this truth, may you help us to love as you've loved us. Not to drift into worldly forms of love, but instead to follow you. To love with the same love that you've shown us in Jesus. Lord, even when it's costly, even when it's hard, help us to love you and follow in your ways above all else. We pray this in Jesus, our Saviour's name. Amen.